Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard talk about ways to release tension in your home. Let's hear what they have to say. Today, we're talking about releasing tension in the home. Ever have tension in the home you grew up in, Mark? (laughs) Never, never. It was (laughs) constant tension. Don't believe that. It was constant. I mean, it seems like we were always at odds with one another. And you know what? In my family, we never talked about things. All we did was let the tension be there, and then we would sit and eat around a table, and nobody would say a word. (laughs) I don't remember very many discussions at all. I remember just sitting there. And so so it was tension in the home. But what I'm telling people is you need to have someplace to release Mm -hmm. that tension. I mean, it's important because this culture that kids are growing up in is tension-filled. It's tension between their values and the values of the culture. It's it's their desires and the desires of friends around them. It's expectations of what they want in life and what other people want for them. It's, it's trying to perform up to mom and dad. It's performing up to school. They are so overwhelmed and they are so tension-filled Home needs to be that place that is absent of tension so that they feel like they have a place of rest, a place of respite, a place that they can come to and relax and be themselves. A safe haven. Absolutely. Mark, I'd like to get into this conversation today by using this question that came to us from a parent. You bet. How do I stop my 16-year-old daughter from always creating drama and upsetting the entire family? I now feel like I have to protect my younger children from her damaging blow-ups. Any advice? (laughs) Yeah. The drama queens. It's absolutely amazing. You know what? The reason she's dramatic is because it works. She gets attention. (laughs) It's the desired result. Everybody's watching her. She's at center stage. She gets to say what she wants. She gets to perform. And uh, it's her way of relating. And in some way, you've got to stop the need for that and show her a different way. So do you ignore it? What do you do? Well, no, I think it's got to be corrected in some way. Drama is usually crisis-driven. Something comes up, they don't like it, and so they play it out. It's a way of them releasing their own tension. The problem is they're releasing it on everybody else and causing the difficulty. (laughs) So this is where you go, come here, sweetheart, we need to go talk (laughs) because we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to have the drama. And so if you need to come home and spend an hour with with me and be dramatic. You can do that, but you're not going to do it here. When you were 12, that was okay. You're not 12 anymore. You're 16. And so if you cannot control your drama and always having to be the center of attention in conflict, then I'm going to take away the car. I'm going to turn off your cell phone. I mean, you've got to do something to let them know this is not the appropriate way to do it. But there's a need that your child has. There's a reason why they need to have conflict to relate with people. There's a lot of kids that do that. I mean, drama is one of those new things. It's always drama with girls. I mean, I live with 30 high school girls. (laughs) It's always drama. And we tell them all the time, if you want to act that way, then you have a consequence of work projects around the property. And what we're trying to tell them is, this is not the way to relate. Let's learn how to talk with one another and resolve conflict and express yourself without having to pull everybody else into it and making it so dramatic and embellish these stories that are way out of line. Maybe we can talk more about the difference between boys and girls in a few moments, but uh, you say that we should learn to laugh as a family. Now, what that releases tension, obviously, it, it but what else does it accomplish? 
accomplished. Okay, I mean, I would ask, when was the last time that your family sat around and laughed at something? Hmm. You know, I mean, because you get on and you watch TV, and, and we could spiritualize everything and say, well, don't watch anything on TV, or anybody telling a joke, if it makes fun of somebody, or if it's on the edge a little bit, or if it's, you know, or it's ridiculing of somebody. You know, sometimes it's just learning to laugh at ourselves. Lighten and, up, huh? Lighten up, learn to, you know, understand who we are and, and, and taking a different approach. Scripture says in Proverbs 17, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. You know, I tell people all the time, watch some comedy. There's plenty of good Christian artists out there that make you laugh. Listen to that. Tell stories. Have a joke night at the dinner table. Learn to sit around and laugh about stuff. When you make a mistake, laugh at yourself. When you drop a glass and it breaks, I don't care whether it's an antique glass or whatever, learn to laugh about those things because it's going to break one day anyway. Invite Mark Gregston to dinner sometime. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll love in, you'll laugh. things up a little we'll bit. Have a yeah. good time, yeah. <laughs> so try something new as a family and tell a joke once in a while. Even. That's right. You know, I mean, instead of thinking that we have to have a family devotion around the table one night, just say, what we're going to do is have a joke night, and everybody's got to get on the internet and find some jokes and come back to the table and share those jokes. I, I've told this story a number of times, and I tell you, if my wife came to the table and tried to tell a joke, that would be so funny in itself. I mean, because she can't tell a joke. She'll tell you, okay, this is what I'm going to tell you, and she'll tell you the punchline, then she'll tell you the joke. And it's a way of engaging with one another. It lightens things up. Even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of hardships, you can learn to laugh because you've got to have some release of tension. Well, the bottom line here is you're just enjoying being with each other then. That's right. You know, and if you don't enjoy being with each other and can release the tension, let me assure you something. Your child's going to release their tension somewhere. It's either going to be through drama, it's going to be through drugs, it's going to be through drinking, it's going to be by taking it out on somebody else. Young men go out and beat up somebody else, or, or they get involved in other activities, and parents finally say, well, why aren't you involved with us? And a child looks at a parent and says, it's because you're boring. <laughs> I mean, there's no fun. We never laugh. We never talk. It, I mean, the, they want something that's going to release the tension. It's very important to learn to laugh. Some parents struggle with how to carry on a conversation with teens. What suggestions do you have? You know, don't ask yes, no questions and don't convey your opinion in the question. You know, I mean, it would be like this. I mean, I can look at a teen and, and pass judgment saying, you know, Scripture says that life is very precious. What do you think about abortion? Oh. Well, I mean, there's no, I, the child has only one answer. Sure. Well, I don't believe in abortion. Well, what I want to do is, is ask a child, hey, I think that life is precious at no matter what age. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And just leave it like that. It, that's not a yes-no question. It is not judging them in any way. I don't have to spiritualize everything because of this. Because if I've done a good job teaching them things beforehand, what I'm doing now is providing the opportunity for them to bring that back up and talk about it so that I can have input into their processing of it during this time. I, it's not time to keep teaching, keep teaching, keep teaching. I can do that in another way that's going to be a lot more effective. You know, I've seen this, and I think I probably did it as a dad. When you try to engage your teen in conversation and they don't come up with a, with a good answer or a substantive answer, you try to answer for them. That's you know, right. You, you, try to, you try to speak for them, plant the idea in their mind, but you should just let it be a little more open-ended. Huh? You know, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, for every answer you give your child, 
It's one less answer that they have to find. Hmm. I mean, I know that the prophet Jeremiah says, you will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. I mean, and sometimes we shut that window for our kids, that window of wonderment, that window that of curiosity. The tendency that most of us parents have is to satisfy their curiosity instead of piquing their interest. And it becomes pretty important. I don't want to satisfy my child's curiosity. I want them to continue to be interested in something forever. And so what I want to do is pique that interest and, and let them know this is a journey that you're going to be on that you will constantly be looking for. So if I'm always giving the answers and I'm always shutting their wonderment down, sure. then there's no desire that they have or, or no inner flair to, to move in a direction to find some answers on their own. It doesn't stimulate them to think. That's right. It shuts, it shuts it off completely. That's right. And that's what I want. Earlier we talked talked about uh, boys and girls and the difference. Can we go a little deeper on that? Uh, do, <laughs> yeah. do you, I mean, maybe some dangerous waters here, but what are the difference between boys and girls in, in this whole matter? You know, engaging with kids. I mean, we have 30 girls and 30 guys that live with us. When I get with the girls, they want to be listened to. Yeah, it's not that they want to hear from me, but they want somebody to listen to them. And they come from this background where this little girl will say, hey, okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> I mean, and it's all about them, even in their attempts to talk about somebody else. Yeah, they can't do they can't that. Do it. <laughs> and you know, so what I do, I go, hey, tell me about yourself. Hey, what's the biggest challenge you had this past week? You know, what are some things that you're looking to change in your life? If you could change one thing within your family, what would it be? What would you like to be different? I mean, it's open-ended questions that get them talking about themselves. And when they come to the end of that, then I can start reflecting back to them. Hey, well, I heard you say this. Tell me a little bit more about that. And in that process of discussion, I think they learn that they can start asking questions because somebody's finally listening to them. Now, with young men, it's a little bit different. There's got to be plenty of activity. I think conversations with, with boys happen shoulder to shoulder a lot more than face to face. So you go do something together, and then in the midst of doing something, whether that's duck hunting or water skiing or playing a video game together or riding horses or whatever it is, working on a car, changing a tire, they love to do things. That sounds like a uh, paraphrase of that verse in Deuteronomy, you know, <laughs> when, when, whatever we do, huh? Yeah, it is. You know, that, that verse says this. These commandments that I give to you today are to be yours on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. When you're playing video games, when you're hunting or fishing. That's or... <laughs> right. That's right. That's the time that you do it because it's because that's how guys engage when you do something together, no matter what you do. Now, it doesn't mean that every morning you come downstairs to the kitchen and have to quote a new scripture <laughs> because that's what you're supposed to do as a father. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a little bit too much for a child because they'll be going, oh, quit. You know, it's it's in the discussion, in the day-to-day opportunities that you have to impart wisdom through your life-on-life experience. That's what's important to kids. Every parent thinks they're ready. You made it through the first 12 years after all, but then your child becomes a teenager. And all of a sudden, it's like the parenting rules changed and nobody told you what they are. Your kids completely change their interests, hobbies, appearance, vocabulary, and even their priorities and values. Some parents try to power through, 
continuing to parent their 16-year-old the same way they parented their 12-year-old. That plan is doomed to failure. Your child is too valuable to fail them now. That's why Mark Gregson wrote Tough Guys and Drama Queens, to help parents understand the changing world of today's teens and how parents can meet the unique challenges facing their children this day and age. Tough Guys and Drama Queens is both a hard-hitting look at what makes modern teens different from any generation that's come before, and practical advice to help parents overcome today's hurdles and retain a relationship with their teens that will last into their adult years. With spiritual truth, practical insights, and proven techniques, Tough Guys and Drama Queens is a book that belongs in every parent's library. Get your copy at parentingteenresources.org. Practical suggestions for how to release the tension that you have in your home with your teenagers. Mark Gregson helping us out here with some of this today. We've talked about laughing as a family. We've talked about making home a place where kids can have a good conversation. And we've talked about the difference between guys and girls. But what about just making home that safe haven we mentioned earlier in the program? You know, it needs to be that safe haven. I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge that parents face today next to, you know, setting standards and and accepting a child's choices and mistakes. But I think it's connecting with your teen by providing a place of rest and learning when to correct and when to let go. Okay, on the front end of this, I want to, I'll tell you this. Parents correct their kids too much. In our desire to, for our child to move along and we want great things for our kids, and because we are so much more engaged than our parents probably were in our life, we have a tendency to correct everything they do. Well, let me tell you something. I don't think anybody can drive down the road, drive down any highway without violating a law of some way. I mean, a policeman can pick you up for anything. You can find something. Huh? Oh, they can. I mean, and so I go, we can do that with our kids. And if you do that, you will be like a dripping faucet that pushes your child away. It'll mm-hmm. be a continual annoyance. It creates tension. It really does. And so I tell parents all the time, look, correct your child on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Saturday, quit. And Sunday, give it a rest. You know, and, or, or pick another day. On Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, that's when we'll correct. But have days that you're not correcting all the time, that you're not nitpicking. Not, and, and I tell you, I mean, I played baseball in junior high. People would throw strike balls, and you know you could hit them, but sometimes you just had to let them go by. And so there's a part of it where you just go, maybe there's some things your child has done wrong. Let it go. But when you see a pattern, that's when to That's step, when yeah, you need to yeah, say something. Yeah. But, but there's times to put some things on the back burner. If your child hits his finger with a hammer and something comes out that you don't normally hear on church on Sunday morning— <laughs> You know, well, anybody might say something. Don't correct it all the time. Well, you shouldn't say that. And the scripture says this. What you're doing is saying, you know, you need to hide normalcy away from a parent. Just, you know, just back up a little bit with the intention of creating a place that they know that they can come to and find rest. I mean, Jesus said to us, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your soul. Well, if we are to be to our kids how God is to us, then we've got to give them some rest. I am thankful that God does not correct me all the time. Because I tell you this. Amen to that. <laughs> because I, wouldn't, I couldn't go by a minute without hearing from him, you know, and, and he, he's yeah. just one that gets the bigger picture. That's grace, isn't it? It is. He understands it. 
and probably a lot of mercy as well. Yeah, you know, he yeah. let some of those things go. What about the actual home? Some of us have this hang up that everything has to be perfect before any of our, our kids' friends can come over because they're going to go home and say, hey, you should see what I saw at, at this house. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, somewhere we, we picked that up in the 60s and 70s, and people have tried to correct it. Now they're trying to make homes a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, I know a, a fellow that used to let kids just do whatever in the home, paint the walls. Uh, I mean, they draw no. everywhere. They mm-hmm. would do, I mean, it, it's little kids. And 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 it was fun what it was little because he said, my kids are kids. I don't care what my house looks like. And you know what? It's amazing to me. Those kids have turned out almost perfect. <laughs> I mean, I'm envious of him somewhat. I look at him, they haven't struggled because I think early on he picked up what was important and what was not important. Okay. And so, and then when they moved into their teen years and wanted to paint the room and all that, that you're, I'm going, no, I'm not so sure we do that all the time. But, but I think when you start to understand that, that my home is not only mine, but it's my kids as well. Mm-hmm. And I need in their training to provide a home that is, that is absence of conduct conflict and, and has some tension releasers in it, that I need to provide that opportunity. Make it a place where teens feel comfortable. Absolutely. You know, have things for them to do, things they like to do. Absolutely. I mean, did you go on vacations with your family growing yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. Were they fun? Sometimes. Yeah, none of, my, none of mine were. <laughs> it was so filled with tension. That, okay. we could, that we couldn't have any fun. I mean, it was just it was just full of tension. And so I, that's why I, I'm a big promoter of a tension-free house because that will get in the way of relationships, and your kids need relationships desperately. Mark, a lot of your experience comes from living with teens at Heartlight, this yeah. residential counseling program that you and Jan have, but have you noticed that it's a place of rest for these teens that come from tension-filled homes? You know, it's amazing to me. There's one family in particular that I remember, and and I can say this is a, a good story because I did the girl's wedding uh, this past summer, and so she's now married. She does have a seven-year-old child, and, um, and but it's just amazing. It's a, it's, a, it's a story of God's grace about what he's done with this young lady. And when I visited their home a number of years ago, I walked in, and it was one of the most sterile places I have ever been in. Hmm. I mean, it, it was just sterile. I mean, and I, I felt uncomfortable. I felt like I walked into a hospital room, <laughs> but this place was cleaner than that. And I'm a neat Nick. I'm obsessive-compulsive. Yeah, sure. I like things straightened out. But this was way too much, non-relational. Uh, and and even as we sat and ate dinner, there was no discussion around the table. It was all pretty much, this is what dad says, this is what it's going to be. And I think what what ends up happening with those kids, they will find a release from that tension. It's like a kid who goes out and smokes dope or gets drunk. There may be curiosity that that moves a child into it. But if a child comes from a tension-filled home, it may be something that they just found to relieve the tension. So if you don't relieve it, they are going to relieve it somewhere. And this young lady decided to relieve her tension in other ways, and that was through sexual relationships with people and the use of drugs. She's a sweetheart. I mean, I, I would hire her to come work for us in a heartbeat. I mean, I love this girl to death. She's 27 years old now and a jewel, just an absolute jewel. And mom and dad have learned the hard way how to release the tension within their home so that it's not as intense. An intense home will push a child to find relief from that tension. How I relieved it during my time when I was in high school is that I I swam competitively and, and I would 
be with a group of guys, but I fell in love with a little girl that I eventually married and spent all my time at her house because there wasn't any tension. There was always tension at our home. And so it moved me away from my family. That's a good question to ask ourselves as parents. Are our kids escaping us to get to that place of rest somewhere else? Well, you, you know? know, I mean, I, and I think that's an appropriate question to ask. When you see your child doing inappropriate things, and their behaviors are not something that you approve of, they may be doing it because there's some difficulty within the home uh, that that they want to get away from or find some relief from. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm convinced of this. Because of the tension that kids face in the culture and because of the tension then they face at home, everybody's going to break. Everybody needs a rest. Everybody needs a release More somewhere. than ever, yeah. You know, and, and if it's bigger now, I think we're going to see kids go to greater extremes, you know, to do that. Well, it's not just the teens that bring the tension. Sometimes parents and our reaction to uh, to our teens, and when they mess up, you know, our yeah. reaction sets the tone, doesn't it? It does. You know, I tell parents all the time, quit lecturing. There's a proverb that says, the wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Moms, dads, quit lecturing all the time. Have discussions, you know, and, and, and look at your standards at times. Are they too high for your child to attain? And what is that reaction that you talk about when your child messes up? Is he shamed? Is he given so many consequences that he loses the relationship? Or is he affirmed while he experiences the consequences of his mistakes? Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.